Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Nerddom 101. We are back this week with a podcast. Sorry about last week. We had some personal things come up. Couldn't record episode 5, but episode 5 is here for you now. As always, you can find us on Pippa.io, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Deezer, uh, wherever you find your podcast, you can find us on there. You can also go to nerdom101.com, N-E-R-D-O-M-1-0-1.com, and all the podcasts are there, as well as articles that I've written for my blog. And if you go to screengeek.net, you can also find articles by me and several other fantastic writers on all the latest news with uh, comic book movies, comics, horror, all kinds of stuff. It's all there. We'll be discussing some more of that today. Um, again, let me throw it out there. I'm looking to make a little 10 to 15 second theme song. Anybody wants to write a theme song for me, we'd greatly appreciate it. Of course, you'd be get a shout out every episode. And we put it out there, um, who made it and whatnot. And we can make sure you have a link on the website as well and all that fun stuff. So just hit me up. Um, go right to the website and contact us there. Again, N-E-R-D-O-M-1-0-1.com. So check that out. So um, I had an interesting thing happen to me today that I want to talk about before we get started. You'll have to apologize because, uh, <clears throat> oh, that was aggressive. I'm so sorry. Throat is awfully dry today. I've been doing a bunch of um, emergency house remodeling, specifically in the bathroom and whatnot. Had to put in a whole new floor, vanity, sink, the whole nine. Uh, so that's been fun. And, uh, awesome, a little worn out, but I am here for you. So, um, but like I was saying, something interesting happened to me, uh, and it kind of makes me feel like, you know, when you've started to see the steps that you've made it, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to brag or anything, you know, but there's something that comes along with being a celebrity, and one of those things is getting trolls. Uh, thanks to the internet and social media and all that fun jazz, trolls are all over the internet and they're attacking people. And you know when you've made it and you've started to reach celebrity status is when you start to get attacked by trolls. Now, of course, I'm kidding, of course. I'm not a celebrity by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I did get my first troll today. Uh, like I said before, I'm currently a contributing writer for ScreenGeek.net. Uh, and I've written a bunch of articles recently um, about things going on. But one with, in particular, there was a video made. Um, let me look up the article so I can get the guy's name correctly. But a gentleman... Really? My tablet turned off. Sorry, guys. Technology. And that little beep you heard was a text message. It's all over the board. Oh, come on. Don't be stupid. There we go. All right, so let me pull up the article here. Now, the title of the article, which I don't title my articles. They're titled by my editor. Um, might have lent a little bit of credence to the reason this person was upset. But um, the article is available on Screen Geek, and pretty soon I'll have all these posted up on uh, Nerdum 101 as well. A controversial video breaks down why Marvel... Movies are better than DC movies. 
and you know it's obviously there's a hot debate going on between the two but i mean you can just look at the facts and you can look at it from a factual and money-making standpoint um the worst mcu film box office wise is has done better than all but one of dc's uh movies wonder woman has been the only real success that dc has seen so it's not really a debate so much as it's kind of a fact, you know, and if, if all these fans who say they love it had actually gone out and supported the films, then there maybe not wouldn't be such a debate. But uh is he here? I've got his name somewhere. Okay. Evan Pushak uh put a video up on YouTube. Uh talking about the problem one of the main problems between the films and why Marvel is more successful than DC is their action scenes. And at first I thought, how is that even, like, what are you talking about? How is that even a thing? Like, you don't, that doesn't make any sense. But the more I thought about it, you know, I have a film background and I've, I've done a lot in uh, television and, and independent film and, you know, at Full sale and, you know, web my own web show and all kinds of other stuff. There are tricks and necessities in filmmaking, what you know, some hall there's are you know, especially when it comes to action, there's tropes that are at some point overused in film. Um, but he breaks down how the action scenes are different, uh, and how Marvel goes for a slightly more muted palette of color, but it's overall brighter, um, and the action scenes are grounded. In a sense that even though these people have superpowers or they have armor or whatever, there's a gravity to the impact. Um, there's a realism to it, you know, using cars, pieces of plane, whatever. But another thing that Marvel does, and it didn't even actually occur to me because I, I just I enjoy the film so much that I don't really typically break them down in a cinematic, you know, behind the scenes standpoint, was, <clears throat> excuse me again, is uh that there's a pause in the action for a little bit of levity, maybe some, you know, quips or even just, you know, dialogue. There's something to help break it up to, to keep it from being just this long, eventually what feels drawn out and almost monotone thing. And in DC, you just don't get that. Um, there, it just, you know, to put it, like this, it's if you look at in Man of Steel, which I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love the film, um, and again, I'm a fan of both DC and Marvel uh, from the comic books way back in the day. Um, if you haven't already figured out that with the name Superbeard Vince Hoover, Superman is kind of my that's my go-to guy. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of, of Marvel comics and and, and the films. So I'm never, I'm not. I don't understand the decisiveness between fans that there's this it's and this can be a metaphor for life for politics whatever uh the bipartisanism of Marvel and DC it doesn't make sense to me like oh I read DC cuz Marvel sucks or Marvel's the best and I hate DC why do you hate DC cuz it's not Marvel wait what why do you hate Marvel well it's not DC 
their superpowers are better. Marvel's more grounded in realism. It makes more sense. At the end of the day, why can't you enjoy both? Enjoy both. I do. I know a lot of people who do. Just enjoy both. Yes, the characters in DC are are larger than life. You know, they're it's kind of above and beyond, and it kind of does step out of the side of reality. I mean, granted, I mean, superheroes don't exist, so having mutant powers or the ability to fly or, or turn into a giant green monster isn't real either. But, you know, Marvel, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and those guys, they grounded everything in, in an emotional and in a realism. It's like Spider-Man you can relate to as a kid, you know, with no money, he's poor. You know, Captain America was a you know legit soldier. I mean, there's all these things. And in, in, in DC, it's much more, they're almost... Almost every hero is a god. Like, you know, you think about the, the, the Trinity. It's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Even Batman, who's a human, who has no powers. The man's the closest thing to human perfection we have, you know. You know, peak physical condition, perfect body, uh, mind above and beyond anybody else. I mean, he almost does have a superpower. The ability of what he does. The ability to control every single aspect of his body and mind. So... They're just two different worlds. Why can't you enjoy both? You know, why can't you enjoy DC and Marvel? And the same with the films. Now, with that being said, there is something to the actual filmmaking process in DC that has been an issue. They are a bit on the darker side. They tried very hard to be the anti-Marvel, the anti-MCU. You know, we're not going to have any humor. It's going to be a much darker tone. It's going to be a much, you know, more serious. And they realized the error of their ways. They did try to pull in a little bit more humor. If you look at Justice League, there's a lot more quips. There's the Flash. It's got a lot of one-liners and stuff. And But it's it was one of those... Uh, there's just too many issues. On top of that, they've had to constantly rotate and change their plan in drastic ways. Whereas the Marvel Cinematic Universe was planned out very well from the start. And before they even started shooting Iron Man, the idea was, this is what we're going to do. And so everybody coming on board, that's what it was. It wasn't a matter of, okay, well, we're going to shoot this, and then we'll shoot this. Well, hey, why don't we connect them? Hey, why don't we build a universe? Da-da-da. But going back to the action scenes, you know, you look at, you know, what makes John Wick so successful is those action scenes are they're well choreographed, they're not all dark, they're just well shot. But they have a flow to them, stuff like that. Mission Impossible, whether you like Tom Cruise or not, whether you like the Mission Impossible movies or not, there's no denying the action sequences in those movies are great. Um it all comes down to having a plot within the action scene that can be told. And. You know having. Oh hold on. Sorry. My tablet just started playing videos. But yeah just. You have the ability to. I mean even the Fast and Furious movies. Which I don't particularly care for too much. But the action sequences are. Are, are great. You know. But you have three to four good set pieces. A, you know a, a decent plot charismatic characters and a few laughs and it gives you a full-on experience with the action 
Um, now, in a sense of like John Wick, where the movie is serious, you don't necessarily have to have the laughs, but there's still some, you know, pauses or moments, you know, and again, you have compelling characters, you know. And then in Marvel, think back, think back to Civil War and the scenes there. I mean, it's a very serious moment. You're having the breakdown of the Avengers right then and there, but you still have moments where, you know, you know, Clint asks, you know, Natasha, Black Widow, are we still friends? And she's like, it depends on how hard you hit me. You know, that kind of stuff. It's it's all it's all good stuff. You know, the clips between, you know, Spider-Man and Captain America and Spider-Man and Falcon and, and Bucky. All that stuff. These great little moments. So, DC hasn't had that. Um, and when they try to do it, like, say, Justice League, which, again, I actually don't hate Justice League. I watch it, on like, twice a week. And I'm going to I just I put it on and enjoy watching it before I go to sleep because it's it's a fun escape as a movie. But what you have is you ha- you tried giving like some some lines like you know you know I stand for truth but I also stand for justice or something like that with Superman when he comes down to Steppenwolf and it's uh, they tried it didn't work but that. That also goes back to the controversy aspect of it, of, you know, Zack Snyder having to, to exit the film due to some personal issues and Josh Whedon coming in the last minute and changing things around and, and hasty reshoots and stuff like that. And these movies being, you know, it seems now that DC has scrapped the Cyborg movie. It's been pulled from their, their future film slate. Um, and in fact... Uh, he was scrapped from appearing in the Flashpoint movie, which has now been scrapped as well. And, you know, they're losing directors left and right. And and, and now Ray Fisher may be done as Cyborg completely. It's another article I, I wrote, which will be up soon. It, it looks like he may be done completely. You know, he it, and I don't blame him. He was actually the worst part of Justice League. He was far too emo and moody and depressed. And he just wasn't Cyborg as we know it. So... It's it's weird to think, well, I guess maybe not. When you really break it down, um, DC has tried so hard to avoid copying Marvel's format. They've gotten so far away from it that it's. I just don't think it's going to work in the overall aspect of things. Um, now... Granted, they've made a lot of the right steps kind of moving to, back towards it. Because there's nothing wrong with emulating Marvel's formula. Just don't flat out copy the movies. But you can emulate the formula. And with the likes of Aquaman coming out, which a lot of people are excited for, which we should hopefully see a trailer come out of the San Diego Comic-Con. That's what the rumor is anyway, rumor and innuendo. Um, as well as something for Shazam. And Shazam, I think, is going to be that movie that that transcends the gap. That's going to be a much lighter tone, a much more, um, for lack of a better term, Marvel-esque film. Um, I know that you know Dwayne The Rock Johnson has pushed really hard to get some more levity in these films, and he flat out went to Warner Brothers and had a meeting with him. Said, "Look, you guys need to lighten it up." Even with his character Black Adam, which is you know it's a dark character, there's the possibility to to lighten it up some and then you've got films like i think the best example that dc could look at is black panther because here's a film 
that had a very socially conscious storyline to it. It was very deep and moving, and you see how many people are moved by the film. But at the same time, it still had that Marvel levity to it. It still had the little jokes and had their moments, and and it wasn't so heavy-handed that people were just like, "Huh, okay, I get it." You know, stop beating me over the head with it. So, um, DC just needs to to uh, take a step back. You know, they need to be like, uh, "All right." Let's let's take a moment, step back, and let's reassess the situation, and then hit the ground running. Um, and and also another thing that's happened recently has been. Uh, oh man, I can't remember her name now. Got to see if I can find it. But uh, the uh, one of the heads of, of Warner Brothers that helped create the D- uh, the DCEU uh, has stepped down permanently. They're, they're, they've they've walked away. They're done. You know, they helped bring Harry Potter to Warner Brothers as well as help create the DC Extended Universe. And they've stepped down. So maybe somebody else coming in, there's a a good chance. So we'll have to see. Um, But, um, of course, I've been drinking so much liquids now I have to relieved myself but I will hold it I will stick around just for you guys so another thing I want to talk about is uh, some possible leaked promo art from Avengers 4 uh, and this has been pretty interesting and I've written actually several articles uh, on it uh, but there's a there's some interesting stuff here, and uh, let's break it down. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Let's pull up the picture, and I'll walk through it. It's all over the internet, um, but if you haven't seen it, you can go over to Screen Geek, and it's, there's several articles there. Let's see if that's that's not it. That is not it. I'm gonna sing till I find it. All right, here we go. Okay. So in the promo art, we see from left to right, we've got Thor with Stormbreaker, Nebula, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Rocket, Raccoon, Black Widow, Hulk, Captain America, Hawkeye, Iron Man, and War Machine. Now, um, at the forefront, you've got Iron Man, Captain America, Black Widow, Hulk, and right in the center, and Rocket. But the interesting thing is you've got Captain America in what looks like his Winter Soldier uh, costume, haircut, clean-shaven. So he's redonned the the red, white, and blue. And um, my theory on this is if this is true, if this is real promo art, um, Captain America, once he stepped away after the uh, the fallout from Civil War and the Avengers were over and uh, he dropped the shield and he knew he was like, all right, it's, you know, I'm not Captain America anymore. Uh, he kind of took up uh, what a lot of comic book fans remember as the Nomad persona without saying Nomad. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, 
with taking up that persona. Mmm, vanilla soda. Anyways, when taking up the persona of the Nomad, it was because in the comic books, he'd gotten fed up with the uh, government being two-sided and, and getting in the way of, of what he needed to do as a hero to save people. And it was becoming corrupt, and he just decided, you know what, I'm on my own. But he eventually comes back to the Captain America mantle because he realizes the symbolism of being Captain America and that the people of the world needed it. Not just America, but the world needed Captain America. And I think that's the same thing going on here. With the fallout of Thanos... Uh, oh, by the way, there's going to be some Avengers Infinity War spoilers. Let me say it now. If you haven't seen it, then... What is wrong with you? Like, seriously. Go see it. You don't need to pay rent. Go to the movies. Bills are for chumps. Go to the movies. Anyways. In Infinity War, Thanos gets all six gems, snaps his fingers, wipes out half the universe. In doing so, Captain America sees the need now for a symbol more than ever. Everybody in the universe has been affected. So... Is like, okay, it's not just about me trying to help these people. They need something to look up to. So I believe that might be why he gets back into the costume. Now, one important thing, though, in the promo art, he still doesn't have his shield. So he still doesn't have Captain America's shield. So he is fighting right next to Tony, but he doesn't have his shield. Nor does he have the Wakandan shields given to him in Infinity War. Which leads me to another theory that could be two. Uh, in earlier leaked uh, shots, uh, behind-the-scenes shots from Avengers 4 shootings, um, it was seen that they were back at this, the Battle for New York from the first Avengers movie, but with Tony, current, you know, future Tony there. Some kind of time travel, or maybe it was a, you know, he's using his barf memory system. But, um, I, you know, it's hard-pressed not to say that's going to be time travel. So maybe this Cap is Cap from the past brought back to help fight. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So that's another part of the theory. Uh, another thing that kind of helps the time travel part of the theory is the fact that Black Widow has gone back to her red hair and black outfit. So it seems weird that with all going on, she would take the time to dye her hair back. From blonde to red. So maybe this Black Widow is also from the past. Um, don't know. We'll have to see. Um, now, Hawkeye and Ant-Man were, of course, absent from Infinity War. But we see him here in his promo art. Now, the one key thing about Hawkeye is his costume is very dark and different. Um, leading many to believe that he's going to take up the Ronin persona. Although he would probably still be called Hawkeye or at least go by Clint. Um, the Ronin persona was a dark time for Hawkeye when he took on this almost ninja-like outfit with a full mask, the whole nine. It became kind of a, I don't want to say Dark Avenger because the word Dark Avengers is a whole team of Dark Avengers. But he was, it was more on a darker side because of tragedy in his life. So my theory here is, is that maybe some, if not all of his family didn't survive the Thanos snap. In which case he's obviously going to be much more on the depressed and angry and revenge side of things. Um, obviously, the 
Um, if you watch Civil War, the Accords are the Accords are kind of done. Like there's kind of like okay, look, Rhodey's already he stepped on the the Council's to- toes and hung up on them and said, "All right, screw you guys." But after the snap, if any of the Council's even still alive, yeah, it's okay. You know what? Just go do it. Go do what you gotta do. This is stupid that we're trying to use bureaucracy. Go, go, go. So. Uh, the house arrest aspect of Hawkeye and Ant-Man is over, I would assume. So they're there to fight. Uh, and the interesting about Ant-Man is not so much his outfit, but the lack of something in the picture. And that lack, that lack is Wasp. She is nowhere to be seen in the promo promo footage. Now, the prevailing theory on the story of Ant-Man and the Wasp is that it will take place just before the events of Infinity War. So could we see an end credit scene where um, the snap happens and, and she dissolves in front of Scott? Uh, who knows? We'll have to wait and see when that comes out. But um, that she, the fact that she's not in the promo art is uh, that's a it's a pretty interesting thing that she's not there. And it could just have been an omission by the artist. Who knows? But it's still interesting she's not there. I would like to mention though. Kind of going off subject here, but talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, Evangeline Lilly posted a uh, politically uh, charged post talking about voting and, and, and getting out there and doing what she's got to do. Um, and she compared it to uh, your local government being the Goliath and the presidency being Thanos. So you've stopped the Goliath by voting correctly and getting the right person in office. And then you stop Thanos by voting the right person in for presidency. Now, before this becomes a political debate, I don't want to hear any comments about whose president is who and who's right, who's wrong. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. This is a fun podcast. We're going to have fun. We're not going to bring politics into this. Everybody has their opinion. It is what it is. Done deal. Now, that being said, if you kind of read between the lines, she mentions Goliath is a villain in the post. Now we know that Lawrence Fishburne is playing the original vil- uh, original Goliath, and we even got a nice little quip in one of the TV spots of he got to twenty six and a half feet was his biggest he got, and Scott's gotten like sixty five feet I think he said or fifty nine something like that. In the comic books he couldn't go over fifty nine and a half feet because he would have actually died, but I believe Scott said sixty five. But um, a new prevailing theory is that. Lawrence Fishburne's Goliath will actually play a friend to get on the inside, but will secretly be the one behind Ghost and getting her going. And it turns out at the end of the film that Goliath is actually the the real villain pulling the strings, kind of a twist, similar to the um, slightly similar to the Mandarin from Iron Man Three, where Ben Kingsley's character turned out to be just be an actor, and it was Guy Pearce's character who was the actual villain. Um, now in this one, Ghost is not an act- actress, she is actually a villain with powers, but could have been released by Goliath, Lawrence Fishburne's Goliath. So that's an interesting thing, too. Really looking forward to that film when it comes out, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but back to the promo art, again, I you know, tangents, anybody who knows me knows it happens. Um, another thing we want to point out is the Hulk. Because the Hulk in this picture is wearing actually a full body suit. And it kind of looks like it has vibranium in it. It looks almost blank, path, black Panther-ish. 
Um, he doesn't seem as large as normal. Like, he actually seems more proportionate. Just, I mean, he's obviously tall. He's about eight feet tall. But his face is much more like Ruffalo's, too. So could we be seeing a version of Professor Hulk in Avengers 4? Could the suit maybe help him control uh, the transformation and still be able to have his full uh, mental capacity in Hulk form, like Professor Hulk in the comics? Um, because if you remember in Infinity War, he had, you know, the Hulk refused to come out. There's a huge bitter uh, competition between the two personalities. So maybe they find a way to to help him control it and the two can coexist as one. So as the Hulk, he has much more cognitive, he's, you know, full-on ability to talk and think and, and calculate. So the mind of Banner in the body of Hulk. So that'd be cool, uh, you know. I'd be totally down with that. Um, I think that'd be fantastic, actually, uh, to see a Professor Hulk. And if you remember, Mark also talked about how there's a uh, three-movie story arc for the Hulk within other movies. Um, that's what Kevin Feige has talked about because of distribution issues with Universal Studios, or Universal Films. Uh, the Hulk still, his distribution rights are still with Universal. So instead of making uh, a trilogy of solo films, uh, they've kind of used Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers 4 as a full-on three-character story arc for the Hulk. So with this wrapping up, maybe this is where we find a way for them to coexist. And then maybe eventually it also leads to um, Banner not needing to become the Hulk anymore and walking away from it completely. Um, because there is a very good chance that Uh, Mark Ruffalo will also be done after Avengers, Infinity, uh, Avengers 4. Um, we're pretty sure Cap, you know, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark are done. You know, that's uh, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. respectively. Helmsworth's contract is done. He's, he said that, but he's also said he'd like to come back. You know, he's made some uh, quasi-cryptic messages talking about, you know, if the fans allow it, he, you know, we'd love to come back kind of stuff, you know saying he'd like to come back and play Thor more. And I can't say that I don't blame him. You finally, you know, I'm not, I love the Thor movies, don't get me wrong, just because I love the, the character Thor, but you really fleshed him out even more, uh, especially fitting into the MCU with Thor Ragnarok. And that film was very funny, very lighthearted, but it also had a heavy emotional tone. And... You see more of that Infinity. You see more of the growth of the Thor character in Infinity War. So, I'd love to, love to see him come back. I mean, it'd be great. But we do know there's going to be some major things going on with you know the original characters and them moving on. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait and see, uh, which kind of sucks. But we will make do. It will be okay. And, I can promise you this, um, I and Nerddom101 and ScreenGeek.net will stay on top of the news as best as we can, and we will do everything we can to get as much info out that you want to read uh, that we can get our hands on. So just keep an eye out for that. Um, <clears throat> man, excuse me. Um... Another one I thought was interesting um, was that 
um, some Captain Marvel news. Um, not based on the promo art, just based on actually the fact that production is now moving to New Orleans to finish up shooting there. And a uh, actress by the name of Lashana Lynch has been cast, taking the place of DeWanda Wise, who was originally cast in a, for a, a mysterious character, but she had to back out due to uh, scheduling conflicts. Um, but the fact that they've moved to New Orleans leads a lot of people to believe that Monica Rambo uh, is the character she's going to be playing. And for those that remember, um, you know, there was some cartoons and stuff, but back in the 80s, the first era ever African-American female hero for the Avengers, and eventually the team leader, was Monica Rambeau, but then she was known as the original Captain Marvel. Uh, she then moved on to go by Photon, Pulsar, and now she goes by Spectrum in the comics. But, uh... Yeah, she's the original Captain Marvel, and I believe that was actually the inspiration for Carol Danvers taking up the Captain Marvel title, um, was her character. Um, so, uh, it'll be interesting to see if we get that. Maybe we'll get the original Captain Marvel. Um, that'd be great. Uh, that's gonna start in late June. They're gonna start shooting down in New Orleans. Now, if I remember correctly... The Captain Marvel movie comes out in November this year, so they kind of need to get on the ball, because it's going to be CGI heavy. Um, obviously, you know the rumor of the, of the scrolls being there, the Krees, uh, obviously Captain Marvel's powers, all that stuff, so hopefully they're getting on that. Now, obviously, <clears throat> again, apologize, they can work on the stuff they've already shot, um, and get the CGI done for that while filming the other stuff. They don't have to wait till it's all done. Um, but still, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to get on it. But um, I'd actually be really cool with that. I thought the original Captain Marvel was awesome. Uh, great character. A uh, huge part in uh, the original Secret Wars. I'd uh, love, love, love to see it. I think it would be just absolutely amazing to see that character and then see the mantle past. At the end, maybe at the end of the film, she'll finally become Captain Marvel that way. But overall, I'd like to see it. Uh, one other thing, before I jump topics, I'm sticking with the comic book movie theme. Uh, I posted another article, and I got some um, some feedback from some people on it about there is a disability activist for deaf people calling for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to turn Hawkeye deaf. Now. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in the comic books years and years ago, Hawkeye actually became deaf uh, during a fight with a particular... Uh, I can't remember the, the villain's name. But uh, he actually had one of his explosive arrows explode right by his head, permanently rupturing his eardrums uh, to where he had to hear, wear, wear hearing aids from there on out. Now, uh, it's kind of just been kind of washed over in the comic books most times. Uh, it comes up every now and then, but very rarely... Um, and actually, with the technology nowadays and the technology that Tony Stark would have as a futurist, he probably could repair him. You know, maybe some nanotech eardrums or something, what have you. But um, the activist is calling that they portray Hawkeye as deaf so that, you know, handicapped children have somebody to look up to in the films. And they also say that, quite honestly, it would. Uh, make the character more interesting because he's kind of a dull character. And I don't necessarily think he's that dull. Um, 
but you also don't put a whole movie around them. Uh, that being said, I think it'd be actually quite easy. Um, and some people have actually you know, echoed this sentiment. All you got to do is have somebody say something to him or you know, have Tony Stark say something. And then he turn around and go, oh, I'm sorry, did you say something? And he turns up his hearing aid or turns it on or puts it in and goes, I, just, I didn't have my hearing aid in, sorry. You can do it very simply without it being like a, a smack over the head kind of thing. So, I mean, I know that it's they're actively lobbying for it on Twitter and other aspects, so we'll see if Marvel steps up to the plate, or it, it might be too late. It might be at the point where, you know, I don't think uh, Hawkeye is going to be around much longer either. Um, so, it might just be one of those things that it might be, you know, too late. However, that being said, they are starting some reshoots um, for Avengers 4 uh, here coming up in the next week or so. So maybe they can throw it in. Who knows? Um, and before people panic, and there's a lot of panic lately when you hear about a film doing reshoots. That's just the business, folks. It's just how it is. You you think you got the shot perfectly. You think the audio was perfect and something went wrong. Um, camera got out of focus for a second or the shot just didn't come out. You know, what have you. File goes corrupted sometime during transfer. Who knows? Uh, maybe they realize a, a better angle would be better to make more sense for the story. Um, maybe in the editing process they realize the story wasn't flowing correctly and they need to tweak a small section of the film to help the story flow better. It all happens. And almost every movie goes through reshoots. Because you hear these stuff, you know, part of um, Star Wars uh, uh, Solo, the origins film for Han Solo, it's reshoots and it's stuff obviously much more drastic because they lost directors and Ron Howard came in. But still, people are like, oh my god, and then, you know, Suicide Squad, all these different movies, Justice League, everybody, you know, oh my god, they did reshoots, something went wrong, something's horribly wrong. No. Granted, there was some, there was some, uh, obviously with Solo and Justice League, you're changing directors or coming in last minute and these reshoots are, are drastic changes. But not every reshoot is like that. Those are happen to be the exceptions to the rule. But, um... So don't panic about the Avengers 4 reshoots. They're just having to get some stuff. But it might be a chance for them to pop it in there, so we'll see. But I really don't think that we're going to see much of Hawkeye after Avengers Infinity War... Or after Avengers 4, either. Um... You know, I know we are supposed to get a Black Widow movie, and he'll most likely be in that. But that'll probably be it. Um... So, yeah, so that's the latest on that so far. Uh, another thing, the teaser for the Mike Myers, the new Halloween movie coming out, has been popped up, and it looks really good. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes as of tomorrow, when, or Friday, when the full trailer comes out. And we'll have to see how that goes. Um, Alright, so another thing I want to talk about, uh, another aspect of this podcast and the website, and I haven't really posted much on this yet, but it's not just about comic books and movies and video games, uh, it's also uh, another form of geekdom that is cryptozoology, uh, paranormal investigations, and UFOlogy and that kind of stuff. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the term cryptozoology, this is the study of, like, very basically, you know, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, these, you know, quote-unquote mythical creatures that could or could not exist. Um, 
but also what kind of falls into that into into the paranormal investigations is the Bermuda Triangle. Now, with that being said, the Bermuda Triangle is well known for ships and planes and people and all that kind of craziness going on and radar not working and compasses not working correctly sometimes and then GPS not working and all kinds of craziness going on in that area, that, that triangular area from Miami to the uh, you know, Bermuda to, I forgot what a third point exactly goes to, but down in the Caribbean islands. Um, but have you noticed that lately nothing's gone missing there? <laughs> It's just kind of stopped being weird. And I find that fascinating. Because there was obviously something there. There's been investigations. They've had all kinds of stuff going wrong. I mean, it's a, it, the, the, the bottom of the sea down there is a, is a treasure trove of just sunken ships and, and, and planes and, and all kinds of stuff. And not to mention that there's been countless stories of planes and ships and, and people going into the Bermuda Triangle and not coming out and without a trace. No way to find them. They just disappear. Some have said it's been UFO activity and that maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why it stopped. Maybe that's why the weirdness has kind of stopped because the aliens have left or they're not doing it anymore. Um, maybe climate change has affected the magnetic pool of the area and thus it's just not as weird as it used to be. Um, Melting polar ice caps and, and shifting tectonic plates may have done something. Who knows? I just I find it really interesting. You don't hear anything about the Bermuda Triangle anymore. It's just not a thing. I mean, heck, we've had a couple commercial flights go missing. I mean, just the Malaysian flight gone. Just the whole plane full of people just gone. Never found. Just gone. Now, granted, that was over in Asia. But I'm just saying that there's still times when this kind of stuff happens. But you just don't hear about it happening in the Bermuda Triangle anymore. And I, I, I wonder what happened. Like, what what happened? It's so weird. And that kind of adds to the weirdness of Bermuda Triangle. Because now all of a sudden it's just stopped being weird. Um, I would like to go down there and uh, maybe charter a, a ship, uh, in a sailboat or something, and go out there and... and do a little investigating and see if, you know, run some devices and some tests and stuff and see what happens. I think that'd be pretty cool. And if anybody would like to come along, just hit me up right in the contact section of nerdum101.com. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, another thing, the show Finding Bigfoot had its 100th episode, which is also its final episode. Um, they did not find him. Um, but... The show was, I mean, it was interesting. I think a little bit sketchy at best. Uh, I'm a firm believer that Bigfoot exists. I absolutely believe in Sasquatch some way, some form, Yeti, whatever you want to call him. You know, in Florida they call him the Skunk Ape. Maybe, who knows. Uh, I will be doing a Florida-based Skunk Ape investigation in a few months. Um, A few months to a year. Uh, it's a lot of planning, getting the right time, figuring out the right time to go and whatnot. But I'm actually not far from the Ocala National Forest, which is where 90% of the sightings are seen. So I'm uh, going to take that chance and go over there. want to get a team together. I think it'd be cool. But um, that show just never really produced enough evidence to keep it going. So I understand why they decided to end it at 100 episodes. 
kind of surprised it went that long. I mean, you look at, 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 at on the opposite side of that, you go to, say, the show Destination Truth with Joshua Gates. He found a fresh Yeti print in the Himalayas and fur uh, that's now in the Smithsonian. So, national news, the whole nine. And he did it in one episode. So, you know, he did it in one, one uh, I think it was a week-long trek. They were in the Himalayas. So, you know, just... A lot of what got that show over was the personalities, but that's also kind of what was the detriment of the show. Because a lot of these... I mean, every little noise immediately was a Sasquatch. That's it. There's proof right there, 100%. It was a tree snap. Yep. Only Bigfoot snaps trees. What? It was a tree limb snapping. Yep. You don't think it was a bear? No, bears don't do that. They don't step on tree limbs. Alright, come on. But, um... One of my new favorite podcasts, the Cryptid, Cryptid Factor, with Rice Davies. A lot of you know him from several movies like uh, Yes Man and uh, Jumanji and uh, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, very funny New Zealand actor. Um, he helps run this podcast, and they were the host of Monster Week on uh, Destination America. And uh, they... Uh, we're doing the the final show they used on Monster Week was about a guy looking for this gigantic, obscenely large bear uh, that was possibly an extinct bear from you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of years ago. And apparently, what they found first of all, this bear it was light brown. Um, they did get the fur. It was a combination polar polar bear and and, and grizzly bear. But not in a sense of a polar bear slept with a grizzly bear recently. It was a long, ancient line. Um, so it came. So it was part of that, you know, possibly extinct line of bears. But this bear stood. Like okay, so if it was on all fours, imagine a bear on all fours like you've seen before. You know they have that slight shoulder hump. The average bear you've seen, even on large size, is typically around four feet to five feet tall at that shoulder hump. This bear was seven and a half to eight feet tall at the shoulder hump. When he stood up, he was like 15 or 16 feet tall. That is insane. This bear's head was enormous, and they got a great shot of it on one of their trap cans. Not to mention they got the fur and paw prints and whatnot, and they were literally feet from it. The cameraman actually got a shot of it. It was rubbing against a tree, and he got the hump as it walked by. But on their trap cam, they actually got it to walk up now, there is a good chance that part of this, because this was in Washington State as well, that part of Bigfoot sightings might be these extinct bears. I'm not saying all of them. I still believe the Bigfoot that there is actually a you know a missing link, whatever you want to call it. Um, but that if these bears that were thought to be extinct for hundreds of thousands of years, with the light brown hair, when they stand up, they're you know 14, 15 feet tall. That's a massive thing, you know. That's something that could be mistaken from afar. Um, so I think that you would say that 90% of all Sasquatch sightings in the U.S. can be explained away. Whether it be a hoax or uh, a mistaken animal like a bear. Something. Um, you can 
I think explain away 90% of them. However, that 10% is what's interesting. And there's been hair samples found that can't be explained and they can't find a DNA match to and, and, and the footprints and everything else. So um, one of the cool things about that 100th episode of Finding Bigfoot was they, the original, like the most famous footage of Bigfoot is walking across that clearing from 50 years ago. Well, the original film can't be found, but first-generation copies of when it was first developed have been found. Well, what they did is, using new technology, they took these original copies and layered them to give you a actually a high-definition look at it, and it's quite fascinating. Um, it definitely looks female. It has a, a very um, um, pronounced bosom and everything, so it was really, really cool. So I would obviously recommend that you guys check that out um, if you get a chance to go check it out. Uh, Finding Bigfoot's final episode was really, really awesome. Um, and, um, you know, with that being said, I think we're going to call it a day. Um, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Um, also, I want to throw it out there. I am looking for a co-host. Um, preferably somebody nearby that can come meet up with me. And we can do it in person. But if anybody's far away and they want to do it, we can possibly Skype in. I can look into that. Um, I do think uh, a co-host would help, so I think it'd be great. So let me know, hit me up, um, whether yourself or somebody you know. Um, it'd be two two mer uh, two nerds and one mic, man. So let's do this. Let's make it happen. And as mentioned before, I am looking for a you know ten to fifteen second theme song for the show. Something quirky and funny would be great. As always, you can hit us up at nerdom101.com. It's N-E-R-D-O-M-1-0-1.com. Uh, go over to screengeek.net and check out all the articles there. Um, you can find this podcast on pippa.io, nerdom101.com, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartRadio, all that fun jazz. So don't forget to listen. Please subscribe, uh, share, tell your friends, let everybody know. And it will be greatly appreciated. Also, leave your comments under this article, uh, what you think, or hit me up with any ideas you have or theories or whatever, anything you want me to talk about, what have you, let me know. Uh, just hit me up in the contact section at nerdom101.com or email me directly at superbeardart at gmail.com. That's S-U-P-E-R-B-E-A-R-D-A-R-T at gmail.com. Um, once again, I am Superbeard Vince Hoover. I greatly appreciate it, guys, and we will catch you next week. Thanks. Bye.